Open your Bibles to the book of Mark and chapter number four in the book of Mark. Mark chapter four. Starting in verse number 35, I want to read a familiar uh, passage, a story that you've heard many times. Mark chapter 4, verse number 35. The same day when the even was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over onto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. I underlined in my Bible, now full. That's not a good place. If you're in a boat and it's full of water, you're, you're in bad shape. And he, as Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, notice now this sentence, Master, Carest thou not that we perish? That's the, the disciples, one or all of them in unison. This is their message to Jesus in the midst of this storm. Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. There was a great calm. And he said to them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I've titled this message, Fear or Faith. Fear or Faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we ask that you would help us as we look into your word May it have meaning for all of our lives, and may we apply it to our hearts. May we have listening ears. May we respond to you as you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Fear or faith. So I got on the internet, because everything you read there, totally true. <laughs> and I just did a Google. What do people fear the most? Get this list of things. It's funny, the different sites, they were almost identical on what people fear the most. The number one, no matter who's, which uh, website was making this question, was commenting, the number one on most people's hearts, public speaking. <laughs> public speaking, the worst thing that could happen to a person <laughs> is after talk in front of some people. The word public speaking. This, li this list went on to say this heights, going to the dentist, <laughs> snakes, flying, spiders. I relate. Enclosed spaces, mice or dogs, they tied. And then thunder and lightning. 
I added one that I didn't see on there, but y'all will relate to this. Most of you will. Teaching your child to drive. That's got to be number one. You've done that. You remember in Daniel chapter number five, uh, Belshazzar, remember how he was so frightened when he saw the hand that appeared and wrote on the wall. You remember that? And in verse number six, it says the king's. Now, just think of how fear affects people. He said the king's countenance was changed. First thing, his face changed. It says his thoughts troubled him. See how fear is getting worse. The joints of his loins were loose and his knees smote one against another. That's what the Bible says. That's what happens when you get afraid. We just read in this text, the disciples, they were experiencing some great fear in this little story. We find our friends, the disciples, making their way across the Sea of Galilee. If you look on a map and see probably where they were, they were probably going from the pretty much northernmost part of the Sea of Galilee all the way down to the southernmost part of the sea. And so they had already been, as if you read in chapter 4, they'd been on the seaside. There had been teaching and, and preaching going on. And, and now Jesus says it's time to go, to, um, go across the sea. And so this sea is uh, the Sea of Galilee. If you'll look, you'll see it's about uh, 13 by 8 miles, kind of in a uh, teardrop shape. A depth of up to 140 feet. So as night's approaching now, it's getting dark. Jesus says, okay, now we're going to sail. We're going to go towards the Gadarenes. We're going to go south. And so for these men, it had been normal to get in a boat and go across the Sea of Galilee. This had been something they'd done many times. Many of these disciples were fishermen, so for them to be in a boat, this had been normal. In fact, maybe to be in a storm would have been something normal for them. But this storm was, it was, it was a bad one. I really don't, have never been to the Sea of Galilee, so I don't know a lot about it, but I found one writer who wrote a book about the, about the Holy Land in general, he was talking about this, this body of water and what happens when the storm comes. So listen to what he says. He says, to understand the causes of these sudden and violent tempests, we must remember that the lake lies low, 600 feet lower than the ocean. The vast plateaus rise to a great height, spreading backward to the wilds of the Huron and upward to snowy Mount Hermon. The watercourses have cut out profound ravines and wild gorges, converging to the head of the lake, and they act like gigantic funnels to draw down the cold winds from the mountains. So then he goes on to describe when he and some of his friends were going to pitch tents and camp there at the sea. He says this, On the occasion referred, we subsequently pitched our tents at the shore, remained for three days and nights exposed to this tremendous wind, 
We had to double pin all the tent ropes and frequently were obliged to hang on with our whole weight upon them to keep the quivering tabernacle from being carried up bodily into the air. The whole lake was lashed into fury. The waves repeatedly rolled up to our tent door, tumbling over the ropes with such violence as to carry away the tent pins. And moreover, those winds were not only violent, but they were come down suddenly and often when the sky is perfectly clear. I once went to swim near the hot baths. And before I was aware, a wind came rushing over the cliffs with such, such force that it was with a great difficulty I could regain the shore. Some such sudden wind it was, I suppose, he says, that filled the ship with waves. So it was now full while Jesus was asleep on a pillow in the hinder part of the ship. Nor is it strange that the disciples aroused him with the cry, Master, carest thou not that we perish? So they were afraid. I don't blame them. Boat filling up with water. A storm that's so intense, they were certain. Soon we're going to see where the bottom of this lake is. And in the middle of all this drama and all this wind and these waves and you can imagine just the noise and the violence of this storm, somehow Jesus is asleep. And the disciples say something concerning in verse 38. Master, carest thou not that we perish? I've read that many times. You've read that many times. And I've just kind of read it and never really thought about it. But there's, some, there's something, a couple of important things in just what they said that I want you to note. It was fear. It was fear that caused them to say what they said. It was fear that led them to be full of doubt. And questions and to even word what they said the way they said it. I mean, they could have said a lot of things, couldn't they? But the way they said what they said is obvious the result of great fear. That's what I want you to look at. Number one is this fear brings false thinking and forgetfulness. Fear does this fear brings false thinking, and forgetfulness. The storm and the fear that it brought caused the disciples to have two false assumptions. Here they are. And you can read them. You can just read that sentence and both of these stand out. These false assumptions they had. Number one, that Jesus doesn't care. And number two, that we're going to die. Both of those things were wrong. Jesus, you don't care and we're dying. Two false assumptions because of their fear that they just blurted out to Jesus. Both of them made in this heat of a fearful circumstance were false. And here's why we know. Never is there a time when Jesus doesn't care. Never. I mean, all of human history. Think of it from the Garden of Eden. Until the time that we are with him, all of human history, if it points to one thing, it points certainly to this fact 
that Jesus cares. Adam and Eve sinned against him in the garden. And they plunged the world into sin. And in the middle of all that drama that you can read about there in the book of Genesis, he promised something. He promised that there was going to one, soon one would be born. And he's going to crush the head of Satan. And he's going to pay for the sin of mankind. And even in the midst of man's first sin that plunged the world into darkness, you know what he said? I care. And over and over as we read through the Old Testament, if you're reading right now with me the uh, reading plan here that the church uses, and you've read over and over how his children turned their back on him. They loved and they served other gods. And even in the midst of all that time, and again, we see God forgiving. We see God keeping his promises. We see God loving. And that's only because we must come to this conclusion. He cares. He delivered his children from Egyptian bondage when they cried out to him. Why? Because he cares. The Bible teaches in the fullness of time, he sent his own son and he lived as one of us and he preached to the poor and he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he performed miracles and ultimately died on the cross. Does that not show that Jesus cares? How dare we ever wonder, Jesus, in the middle of something that's fearful, some circumstance that's bringing fear. And it's real. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying how dare we wonder in the middle of those circumstances that we're afraid and we have fear. How dare we wonder that Jesus, do you care? Because from Genesis to Revelation, it says he cares. From the Red Sea to the Garden of Gethsemane, it says he cares. From the lion's den... To the wedding at Cana, it says he cares. From the prophet's warnings to John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness, it says he cares. And when you're hurting, rest assured he cares. And when you're disappointed and when you're discouraged and when you're disheartened, and those times come, will you remember that he cares? And when you're with your loved ones and you say bye to them and you stand at the graves, remember he cares. And when you think it can't get any worse, remember he cares. The devil, he comes, don't he? When we're at our most vulnerable and he whispers in our ears, he doesn't care. If he cared, this wouldn't happen. If he cared, he would deliver you. If he cared, life would be so much easier. But before you fall for the devil's lies, remember this. When you were unlovely, he loved you. And when you didn't seek him, he sought you. And when you turned your back on him, when you had no time for him, when other cares and interests caught your eye, he still loved you. He still cared. And when the devil points to my pain, and he will, 
And when the devil points to your pain and says, see, he doesn't care. You know what you point to? You point to the cross. He cares. Then the, the writer of the song have it right. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. So not only did they question, God, you don't care. That's how they worded it. Don't you care? Which was false. They also feared death. They said, Master, not only do you not care, we're dying. We're all about to drown. Well, that was false. For one reason I know it's false is because nothing is going to happen to the disciples. Nothing's going to happen to me. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to be hurt. I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to suffer. It's not within his timing and his ultimate plan. It's not going to happen unless somehow it fits into his plan. Nothing's going to happen to me. But the disciples, they're certain, we're dying right now, God. If you don't even care that death is at our door. And I, I don't want to blame them too much because I've been in a, kind of in a boat on a storm sort of a little bit. <laughs> and I was scared to death. So I don't want to put too much blame on them. But remember I said forgetfulness is something that comes when we're afraid. Fear, fear brings false thinking and forgetfulness. Look what Jesus said in verse 35. If you have a red letter Bible, he uttered one simple sentence in verse 35. Let us pass over unto the other side. I think they forgot. They forgot. Jesus said, we're going the other side. Jesus already said, before the storm came, skies blue. Just a little puff of wind to take our, hit our sails. We're going to sail before. When all, the, anything, before anything happened, Jesus said, now listen, men, we're going the other side. Okay, Jesus. I think they hadn't taken that into account. That Jesus has already said, we're going to make it to the other side. We're, all going, to, we're going to the other side. They kind of forgotten that. Now, he didn't promise it was going to be smooth sailing, but he did promise certain arrival, didn't he? We're going to the other side. They forgot. Forgot his words. They forgot fear. Something so fearful came upon them. They just forgot that Jesus said, we're going to the other side. And same thing happens to us. And we know his promises. We know his power. We know what he's done for us in the past. But when the waves start crashing... When our boat starts to rock, more water's on the in than on the out, and we're getting afraid, don't we sometimes forget of all the promises and all the power and all the past things he's done for us? And sometimes it's easy. We're human. Fear brings false assumptions. Fear brings forgetfulness. The second thing I want you to see about this there's something Jesus said in verse number 40. And that's this. Fear and faith are opposite sides of the spectrum. Fear on one side, faith on the other. And it was Jesus who said that in verse 40. Why are you fearful? Where's your faith? 
It's Jesus who said the opposite of fear is faith. Now, if someone asks you what's the opposite of fear, you probably would say courage. That's what I would say. Because people of great courage aren't afraid. But the truth is this. The opposite of fear is not courage. Because courage that's not tied to faith is pride. In Psalm 23, David wrote, what a great psalm. And he said that, I'll paraphrase a little, that even when I'm walking through the darkest valley with death looming on either side, he says, I have no fear. That's his words. Well, why is he not fearful in the midst of even death? In the darkest possible valley. Why was he not fearful? And he wrote it simply. Because thou art with me. Think of David and Goliath. And we usually use David's and Goliath. And that scene where David, you know. And he's going to sling a rock at this giant of a man. And we always. And we. It's fine, I suppose, to say that David, he. Man, he had such great courage. To stand up before this giant and do what he did. Man, wasn't he courageous? Well, where did David get that courage? It says this in 1 Samuel 17. Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with the sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. David would have been foolish to think, man, with this sling, I can whip that giant. This is going to be so easy. And then I'll go home and have lunch. He said, God, I, I don't have great courage. He said, I have a great God. You remember Gideon and he faced this army, literally, with just this handful of men. How could he be so brave? Judges chapter 6. The Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people, remember when he's, when he's, uh, you know, he's trying to thin out the people. The people that are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. When Gideon and his men surrounded the Midianites and they blew their horns and, 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 uh, and broke the pitchers and had their torches and the sword of the Lord and Gideon. That wasn't great courage. That was faith in a great God. Psalmist writes this. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. So contrast that. That kind of Faith, not courage, but faith, with a guy in the Bible named Peter. What happened to Peter? In Matthew 26, it says this, Peter answered and said unto Jesus, 
Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet I, listen, yet will I never be offended. And he was courageous, wasn't he? That Peter. He, and he was courageous. I mean, he tried to cut a guy's head off. You know, missed. He was a man of courage. And I think he meant that. I'm going to die with you. And then Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter said, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. And what looked like courage was nothing more than pride. And pride goeth before a fall. And Peter fell hard. So Jesus, he doesn't want us to give place to fear, but not because we're courageous. Based on because I'm a courageous person or my own, my own fortitude or I have strength of will or I, my ability to face whatever come my way. And I don't have to be afraid because I can handle it. Not that kind of courage, but faith in him. Because he's with me, I don't have to be afraid. Because he keeps his promises, I don't have to be afraid. Because he knows and he cares, I don't have to be afraid. Because he hears my prayers, I don't have to be afraid. Because he's in control, I don't have to be afraid. And at what time I rely on myself and my own courage, guess what? That's when I'm going to fall. All that happened. This great storm. The disciples are afraid in verse 41 again. After they saw what power that Jesus had. And you imagine them standing there soaking wet, and the sea's calm, and the sky is blue. What just happened? But I want to go a little further. Sometimes we stop reading the narrative because we hit a chapter, and we think that's where everything must stop. <laughs> you can read on. In fact, if you'll look and you follow the account, verse 41 of chapter 4 and verse, five of, or verse 1 of chapter 5, they, 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 they're immediate. They just, they're in order. This is chronological. And there was one thing I want to point out about this story. And that's this. A journey of fear that these disciples made led to one man's faith. And it might seem a little bit off the point. But it's interesting what happened immediately after this little trip that caused so much fear over this storm and then a different kind of fear at the sight of the miracle and here the disciples stand on this boat soaking wet. Now everything's calm. And then we hit verse number one of chapter five. As soon now as they bewildered and, and wringing out their clothes, get out of the boat on, in verse number one. They're confronted again with another, another fearful situation. I mean, this is immediately after it happened. It says they came over the other side into the country of Gadarenes. And you know the story. As soon as they get off the boat, still bewildered because they just got out of this huge storm and then saw this unbelievable miracle. They just get off the boat and walk out onto land. And now they're confronted by this demon-possessed man. And the whole town's fearful. This guy who howls at the moon, 
runs around naked and they can't chain him and he's wild and they're afraid of him. And you know the story and how his life is forever changed when Jesus delivers him from the demons that caused him so much pain and so much turmoil. And you know that what happens at the end, because the people, rather than are being grateful, rather than being thankful that Jesus has helped this man and delivered the town from, from being uh, oppressed by this demon-possessed man, they say, well, yeah, well, leave. So disciples get right back in the boat, sail away. Literally, they were in a storm. A miracle happens. The boat hits land. They get off. Demon-possessed man runs up on them. He gets healed. Pigs die. They get back in the boat and they go sail off again. All that. All that happens, right? <laughs> Just one, two, three. So think of it this way. The disciples, they, on this journey that they think is going to be their last. And they're scared. And their faith in this miracle working God they've already have experienced, it gave way to fear. Well, then they experience the power of Christ. And, and all of a sudden, it's as if there's a, a purpose for this fearful journey. One soul. It's as if all of a sudden all their questions were answered. Why would we, Jesus, why? Not, we know now, okay, you, but why would we go through all this? And can you imagine as they stand around and this demon-possessed man bows at Jesus' feet? Haven't you ever been on a journey that was filled with fear? And you may be on one right now. Maybe you got the doctor's report. You ever got one? And all of a sudden your faith gives way to fear. Maybe the company you work for, you hear rumors. They're downsizing, they're laying off. And you had faith, but it's giving way to fear. The election didn't go as you wish it would have gone. The faith that you had is giving way to fear. Maybe your family goes from one crisis to the next crisis. You have faith, but every now and then it gives way to fear. And it's like, I can't even see a reason for this journey. God, I don't even understand why I'm going through this storm. God, I don't understand why this is going this way in my life. And sometimes you even wonder, do you care? Do you hear? Do you care I'm about to drown? Let me, let me encourage you with this. Hang on. And don't lose your faith. And don't give way to fear. Because it's very possible on the other side of this storm is someone in need. Now just think about this for a second. On the other side of the storm, the disciples brought Jesus to a man who was really in need. And then they got back on the boat and left. 
Is it possible that the storm that you're in right now that may be causing some fear and causing all kinds of distress? Is it possible that that storm you're in right now may be so you can be a help to someone on the other side of it? It's possible that there's right now someone else who's facing a storm of their own. And you can be an encouragement to them. Maybe a lost soul who's ready to give up hope. And this storm that you're facing, if you will allow it, will strengthen your faith. And you'll be able to help someone else who thinks they're about to drown. I mean, who better, think of this, who better to put their arm around someone hurting than someone who's been hurt? Who better to tell someone who's about to think they've lost everything, facing their darkest hour, who better to put their arm around them than someone who found him faithful in their darkest hour? Who better than a believer who was lost and hopeless to tell another about the saving grace of Jesus? I'm just saying it's possible. The storm you're in right now might be someone else's salvation when you get to the other side. Let me just ask you. So what is it that may cause fear? Here's a big one. Finances. That causes fear. Because you probably don't have enough of them. Well, think about this. The Bible says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And then in turn, he's my shepherd and my guide and my friend. So I don't have to fear because his resources are unlimited. And he promised to care for my every need. I don't have to be afraid. Yeah, but my health isn't what I wish it was. Well, the Bible says he's a great physician. And he can and he does give healing and recovery and grace. And ultimately, all of us will experience Experience full and total healing from all sickness and pain and disease when we see him. Some people might just be afraid of their safety. And wasn't it David who said he didn't fear when he was in the the valley of the darkest shadows because he knew God was with him and nothing is going to happen Nothing's going to happen to me that God's not going to allow. The songwriter put it this way. His eye is on the sparrow. I know he watches me. Yeah, but I don't know what the future holds. Man, I, the future, it's, it's upset. keeps me up at night wondering what's going to happen. I don't know what holds the future either. I just know who holds it. And the future... Let's, hey, if you're going to watch the news, you're going to be upset about the future. So there's job one. Don't watch the news. But I understand the future looks ominous for sure. But, you know, I read the back of the book. We win. And it may look dark right now. And certainly the future may look bleak. But can I tell you, one day he'll make all the wrongs right The Bible says every knee shall bow. And the future for those of us who know him is as bright as ever. 
Well, Brother Ted, it's my children, and I'm not sure about my kids, and I'm worried about them, concerned. Well, have you ever thought about this? Did you know that God loves your children more than you possibly ever could? As a parent, all we can do is what we know to do according to his word and then trust him with the rest. Yeah, but I got this problem. I got this drama. This unforeseen problem has raised its head at work or in my family or in my personal life. There's no real answer. There's no way out. There's no hope. Dr. Phil's the only option. (laughs) Or there's a blog I read, some podcast, some expert. He just wrote a book. And and I know next year at the same time, it'll sell for a quarter in somebody's garage sale. (laughs) Whatever problem it is that you're facing, and I don't want to laugh at them or lessen them. But don't let fear keep you from remembering that he knows. And he cares And while you may not see the answer, you can still rest in him and trust him and lay your cares at his feet because the Bible says he cares for you. Are you concerned about this country? Who is it? Everyone is concerned about our country and the downward spiral we've all witnessed. We've we've forsaken God. We've forsaken his word. We've forsaken morality and we've watched, haven't we? We've watched feeling helpless as wicked have taken over and turned everything upside down. We've watched. And all of us are forced, at least on some level, to accept the most vile and sinful lifestyles as just normal. If you're like me, you've just thrown up your hands, shaking your head, almost giving up. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned because we should. And I'm not saying we should be silent because I don't think we should be silent. I'm just saying we shouldn't fear. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And whatever happens to this country, and I have no idea what it will be. Whatever happens, there's no need to fear because God's in control. And God will see his children through. Whatever it is... causes you fear whatever the storm it is that you have faced or are facing right now in your life don't let you don't let fear lead you to think things that aren't true the devil sure wants to convince us that God doesn't love us or this wouldn't happen if God really cares why this if God really loves me why did he allow this don't let the devil try to do that. Don't let, don't let fear cause you to forget what he's already done for you. The fact that you're on your way to heaven, he's forgiven your sins. He paid the price on the cross. Don't let fear make you forget that. And don't trust in yourself, your own strength. You, you lean on him. It's not courage, it's faith. And then... On the other side of that storm, because you're going to get to the other side. And when you get to the other side, who knows? Who knows what miracle you might see? 
Who knows who you might be able to help and what other believer you might be able to lift up and give a word of encouragement and talk how you saw God bring you through your dark time and your storm. And God was faithful and God was good. And he heard my prayers. He brought me through my darkest hour and I made it through that storm. You never know what God might do with you on the other side. Just want to encourage you, believer. God loves you and cares for you more than we can possibly describe or imagine. And even when we're in the middle of a storm, don't let fear cause you to say something like the disciples said. Master, carest thou not if we perish? He cares. You're not going to perish. God's got a plan and he's watching out over us. Why are you so fearful, he said. How is it that you have no faith? You can have faith in him. Would you bow with me in prayer? We'll have a time of invitation. It could be that I don't have any idea. I'm not thinking about anybody or any circumstance, but it could be that right now you're facing some dark time or some storm. And it's causing fear. That'd be a natural reaction. Certainly would. Take a step back and think about him. How much he cares. He proved it on the cross. Don't let the devil whisper in your ear. Don't forget all that he's done for you. It's not courage you need, it's faith you need. And on the other side of that storm, God may have something special for you. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful. Thankful for your word. Over and over in scripture, we see illustrations of how you were true and faithful to your people. And how you demonstrated your love and your care. It's easy. We're human. It's easy for us to forget about that at times when things are tough. When we're in the middle of a storm and we can't really see you. We begin to wonder. Do you care? Do you not know what I'm going through? All of us have done that. Help us in those times to remember who you are and how much you love us. Help us to not give way to fear, but to have faith in you. Right now, there may be someone in this room who's facing something very difficult. I hope that you're reminding them right now of, that you're with them every step of the way. Through the valley. You didn't deliver from the valley, but through the valley. If you've spoken to any hearts in any way. Would we... During this time of invitation, I pray that we'd respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen.